If, if you have not sort of followed along, all of these messages are online. You can go back and you can hear the progression through chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 now. In chapter 5, we're going to get up to verse 6, and we're going to talk about the kind of people that Jesus died for, which is very helpful because we think Jesus died for good people, religious people, uh, and he died for sinners. So, uh, for all, I like, somebody's going to preach my message for me. Okay, so, uh, Romans chapter 5, I got to get rid of this, if you'd hang that on the chair there. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, all right? Faith. Look in chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, notice what he says. Two things in this verse. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is not being religious. It's not being a good person. It's even not even just believing in God because everybody I ask, most everybody says, oh yeah, I believe in God. Do you know the devils believe in God? See, believing in something, in something is, is not bad, but it's not, it's not what saves you. Faith simply means deciding to believe that God is true and he's right in everything he says. And it means believing that Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. When you, when you decide to believe, to be saved, you're believing that Jesus is all the promises of God in one person. All the commandments of God were done by him. All the expectations were fulfilled by him. And I just believe him. Amen. That's faith. Uh... I have to say this, isn't it a day where we don't trust anything? I mean, we just, whether it's on television, whether it's on the media, the, your phone, we don't know if something's real or not. Well, let me tell you, this is real. And when somebody just decides to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they're saved. It's because you've decided, you've decided, not on the whim, but after the, the Holy Spirit's worked on your heart, after preaching has put the word in the heart and it begins to bring forth truth and life in your in your own understanding and you just go i believe that is all it takes and that's what faith is and aren't there benefits to faith aren't there benefits to faith the first one there we read there being justified that's the first benefit of just believing god you're made right with god we're seen by god as if we'd never sinned that's what justified means it's as if my sins, as far as the record is concerned, God's record, they never occurred. Now, as far as other people's memories and as far as what you remember, you know you did wrong. You know you sinned. But God says, I choose not to remember. I have forgotten them. That's justification. Secondly, he says in verse 1, he says, therefore, being justified by faith, we, secondly, we have peace with God. What a great, what a great thing. Most people don't realize the, 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 the warfare that's going on inside of them, the battles that they have with their family, the battles they have with just life itself is not really a fight down here. It's a fight this way. It's a warfare that they have going on between them and God. Go to Ephesians. You're in Romans. Go to the right. Go Romans. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Ephesians 2.12, keep in your hand in Romans, because we'll be coming back there. 
Ephesians 2.12 says that we, oh, I'm wrong, chapter, chapter 2, verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ. Now, either you got him or you don't. There's a time when you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Aliens, the old word, not the modern world, you know, where you're green, you got two antenna. But we were aliens, we were foreigners, we didn't belong in the commonwealth of Israel, and we were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh, we'd say made near by the blood of Christ. Look at the first part of verse 14, for he is our what? He's our peace. I could never make peace with God. His expectations were too high. I will fall short constantly. So he became my peace. Isn't that breathtaking? Also, going back to the Romans chapter 5, as we've gone on, we've learned that, if I can catch this up, we experience the grace and the kindness of God. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You know, before you're saved, you're, you're, you're in trouble with God. You're, you're facing the wrath of God. But the moment you get saved, you're now receiving and on the, the kindness and on the, the grace of God. That is the life that a Christian lives. Not that I get away with sin, but no longer do I face his wrath. I may get chastised, but here's the difference. I'm, a, I'm just not a nobody anymore. I'm a child of God. And my daddy, when I got in trouble, my mom, she made sure she reminded me I was wrong. And she corrected me, and my dad chastened me. And I've got a heavenly father who does the same thing, but he has no more wrath for me, amen? That wrath was poured out on his son, and when God chases me, it's because he loves me. Because he doesn't want me to play the fool, doesn't want me to continue to live like the world. But I have, I, I, even God's chastening is his kindness. So God, I, I, the benefit of just believing on Jesus Christ is I get to experience and enjoy the grace and the kindness of God. Verse 2 continues, and he just says, let me read it again, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. That's a great word. As I said last week, that's a, or a couple weeks ago, that is a legal standing with God as righteous. So in a courtroom, somebody's brought in, and they are accused of crimes, and then they open the record book, and they find out they're all paid for. And that person who is guilty and should be punished is now declared, you're free to go. Your standing is that record doesn't apply to you now. It applied to somebody else who's paid for it. And your legal standing is, I am forgiven. I am righteous with God. I'm pardoned. And you walk through life now a free man, a free woman. My legal standing, the devil can go up to God and believe me, he does. Oh, you know Ledbetter? You know what Ledbetter did 27 years ago? You know what he did six weeks ago? And the Lord says, no. Jesus, you do that? And Jesus says, no. Well, how come I don't have a record here? I paid for it anyway. Amen. Devil, go back to hell. He's forgiven. <laughs> that goes on constantly. And I'm just sitting there going, woo, Amen. <laughs> Because I ought to be terrified, and yet my legal standing is that I am absolutely pardoned, forgiven, justified. I've been reconciled. We're going to learn about. 
Another thought, he says there, a benefit of being saved is that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And I've heard it said this, and I kind of believe it. If salvation hadn't affected your joy, then I wonder, are you saved? Because a criminal who just was about to face life imprisonment is now allowed to go free, that put a smile on his face, wouldn't it? That person would go out of there saying, what just happened? <laughs> and he'd go home and he'd say, Mama, I'm, I'm, I'm home. It would bring joy to you if you ever knew you were saved. I don't think people either are saved or know they're saved. I mean, what a shame, amen. But he goes on and he, as we read there, verse 3, it says, not only so, not only like right now, but we glory in our troubles, in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience works experience, and experience produces what? The only reason why you don't have hope is because you never stay faithful praying. You never just stay consistently doing right because hope is not a wish. Hope is a confidence. It's not like, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. That's the wrong kind. It's a hope where I have hope. I have something I'm living for. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's coming. That's hope. And it brings joy to us. And hope maketh not ashamed. It doesn't embarrass us because now he goes on. Let me finish here. Why do we have joy? Why are all of these things so good in our life? How come I enjoy this? Verse 5 says this. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Stop right there. Think about it. All of these things are in there, not because I'm this good guy who just believed. No, my belief accessed it. But the reason why these things are good is because the love of God has been spread out throughout my heart. Shed abroad is what you do when you, <laughs> when you uh, 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 go into the barn and you grab the hay and you shed it abroad. You spread it out so that you can feed the animals. You go and you get the corn and you throw it on the ground for the chickens. You spread it all out there so everybody gets some. And so every corner of our heart, our memories, our past, our closets, our, 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 our um, places where the love of God gets in there and opens up and softens and heals. The love of God just does something. Not my love for him. I mean, we love him because he first loved us. But the love of God, when I realized he loved me as a sinner, man, that makes everything I mean, doesn't it just wonderful when somebody says, I love you? Yes. Doesn't, it, doesn't it do something for you? I mean, there's just, and God gave you a family. If you've got a dad, a mom, a sister, a brother, if you've got kids, you know what they need to hear? I love you. They just need, they need that tender moment of, I think, I think that I love you. There's, and God that book is telling you about the love of God. Not all the, you know, well, how come he doesn't, how come he doesn't give me the lotto winning? And how come I haven't got this? That's not the love of God. That's stuff. But the love of God is when Jesus Christ took your place and now says, now that's love. And it spreads throughout your heart. If, it hadn't, if, if the love of God hadn't crawled into every corner of your life, it's because you held it out and you've held on to bitterness. You've held on to anger. You've held on to the past. Let me tell you, I let it go, man. Love of God is better. And then he goes on. He says one other thing. He says, uh, uh, verse 5, it says, It's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, who himself is given unto us. I got the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, who can think of that, man? You don't get the Holy Spirit by being holy. You get the Holy Spirit by just being a believer. Two more things. Look down there in verse 9. He says, uh, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be, what a good word that next word is. What is it? Saved from wrath through him. I'm saved from God's wrath. And then last one there, verse 9. Uh, or is it verse 10? Verse 10. Um, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled. To who? To God. By the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So there's the great truth that I, I, the Christian, the moment they believe, I've been reconciled to God. No longer am I fighting him. No longer is he my enemy and I his. We are family. All because you believed. Amen. All because you believed. So I want to, I'm still in the introduction. I want to talk about how most people miss these benefits. They just, they don't ever enjoy them. They spend their lives looking for empty rainbows. <laughs> you imagine if you actually believe there was a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow? <laughs> We'd all laugh at you and call you stupid. But you know, when you're going down to the disco, you're just as stupid. When you're looking in the bottom of a, of a pint glass or you're looking in, in a bottle of pills, you're looking for all of that thrill and that euphoria and all of those. You're still looking for stuff at the end of a rainbow. It's not there. You're missing the real joy. So people come into church and they go, this is a boring place. It is not. Not when you're saved. I mean, if it's just religion, then I understand boredom. But people miss, I, I, I'm forgiven. They, they miss out on the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life. No longer do you just have, you know, your own conscience. You have a voice saying, let's go. Let's do. Let's love. Let's give. Let's be a blessing. And he just comforts you and encourages you. Um, but Paul here, this is the best part of the gospel. Paul reveals the kind of person that gets to enjoy the benefit of being saved. Let's look at it, verse 6. There in verse 6, isn't it awesome? We're going to read 6 to 8 and then verse 10. For when, ye were, when, when we were yet without strength, notice Paul puts himself in there. Paul doesn't go, ye, he was above us. He says, we... When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yea, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jump down to verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I don't know if you noticed anything there, but Paul's like a doctor and he's examining the heart. Now, if I looked at you and you're driving a new uh, 231 car or 232 now, I guess they're coming out. If you're driving that and you've got on a 2,000 euro suit or you've got a, you know, you're all dolled up and you've got a, you got a 500 euro hair, hairstyle and you've got 1,000 euros worth of rings, some of you are, are wishing. And, uh, you know, you got all these things going for you. You may put on the air that you got everything under control. But you see, I can't see your heart. But God can, and God reveals the heart. You know what we are? Did you see that list? We're without strength. He describes ungodly, sinners, 
enemies of God. Now, I know you've probably seen pictures like this down at the estate agent. And you'll be walking down there and he says, wow, look at that house for sale. You know what they say? That estate agent says, real potential. <laughs> A dream house in the making. And now they, they try to pretty it up, don't they? They tell you, oh, this has you all over it. No, it's got mold all over it. But, but an estate agent is going to try to tell you, you know, don't look at what it looks like. See what it could be. That Listen, when the Bible looks at us, you know what God sees? As we really are. He describes the kind of people that Jesus sacrificed his life for. Look what it is. Verse 5. No, did I say verse 5? Yeah, verse 6, sorry. Yeah, verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength. Just stop there for a minute. The person who is weak, flawed. I think that goes for all of us, amen? Those of us who are unable to do anything to just get right and stay right with God. How many of you ever promise, all right, I'm not going to say another curse word. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to lose my cool. I'm just going to be Mr chilled 16 minutes later <laughs> and you break your promise we fail you know what that is weakness there's a flaw there's something wrong with us none of us have the strength to stop sinning completely do you understand that i know some of you maybe it was because of aa maybe it's because your wife left you i don't know and you put down the drink you haven't put it up since but you know what every aa uh, um, session says you could instantly pick it back up you're a recovering alcoholic in their eyes and they know that nobody by their own strength puts that drink down until you meet Jesus and you find out it's no longer your strength that keeps you free from alcohol that keeps you free from drugs that keeps you free from anger none of that is possible without look at the last, last part of verse 6 for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You know, uh, you may make a promise to stop lusting, stop lying, stop being angry, stop complaining, stop stealing, stop yelling, stop coveting. And then you'll do it again and again and again and again. And the Bible says we fall short for all is sin and come short. We just, oh, I'm trying and we fail. That's those who are without strength. That's the person that Christ gave his life for second one there in christ in 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 uh, for yet when we were yet without strength in christ time sorry in due time christ died for the ungodly think about it for a minute huh. ask somebody if they're ungodly gleb you ungodly <laughs> masoma are you ungodly now you know think about it almost 100 percent of the time you'll get an emphatic no no i'm not ungodly because we know it means wicked well, then you're out of luck. If I met somebody and I said, say, uh, 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 say Lily was standing there and I came up to her and says, you ungodly? <laughs> I mean, this beautiful, sweet, long, young lady here. I meet her on the street and I say, are you ungodly? She said, no. You know what my response is? Then you're out of luck. You can never get to heaven because Christ only died for the ungodly. Amen. You think about that for a second. The problem with man is not sin. The problem with man is self-righteousness. We think we haven't sinned, or we think we haven't sinned bad enough. And the Bible says, guess who Christ died for? The ungodly. 
the wicked. Some people give, he goes down there in verse, uh, I love this, it says, um, verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one yet, will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. You know what he's describing? Secret service agents. <laughs> you know, these guys who protect the president, I, I notice, I don't know if Neil Martin or Radker have protection or not, maybe they do, I figure they do. But can you imagine, you sign up to join the Secret Service to protect the President of the United States. You know what they spend there, spend hours preparing to do? Give their life for the President. Turn into a bullet. If there's an explosion, they, or if somebody throws a grenade, they are trained to instinctively jump on it and to take the blast. And, and who does that? Except for somebody very important. Very, very few people would ever die for a good person, right? And yet, who did Christ die for? The bad person, the ungodly. Isn't that fantastic? Would you let your worst enemy torture you, strip you naked, nail you to a tree, leave you there to die so that you could live? Would you, just so that he could, so that he could live. Let me just put it that way, I didn't read. Would you let your worst enemy beat you, torture you, murder you so that you could let them live? I wouldn't. Sorry, I'm not that good. <laughs> Honestly, I just wouldn't. And yet Jesus did. Take a good long look at your life and decide, are you godly or ungodly? Because that decision will determine whether you're ready to get saved or not. So that's our spiritual condition. And then verse 8 comes along in here. And it says, but God commendeth his love toward us. What a wonderful basket of humanity <laughs> basket cases but this can this all of humanity is contained in that word us god commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us now you understand the love of god no human being would do this for his worst enemy and yet god did it for us christ's death was the ultimate kindness to sinful men because that's what we are sinners Wicked, ungodly, unworthy people. You know, um, to commend, as we talked about, what lavish. It, it means to demonstrate, to prove, to display, to pour out his love on us. Not while we were doing better. Did you notice? I've had people tell me, you know, when I, when I, when I, get, when I put down the cigarettes, I'll come to church. I've had people tell me that. You know, and when I get things right at home, then I'll come out to church. Oh, I'll think about God when, when I'm a little older. You know, they're all working on their life, trying to polish it up before they talk to God. You better talk to him now because he only accepts sinners. And he saves sinners. When we were yet sinning, rebelling, rejecting God's laws, that was when Jesus Christ stepped in and died for us. When? Think about it. While we were yet sinners. We were already caught and condemned by God. We were never good people, righteous. We weren't even improving. But while we were sinning, Christ was dying, taking our place in the wrath of God. That's the love of God. You can't get better than that. Down to verse 10. For when we were yet enemies, when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by that, the death of his son. 
and much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The truth is we are enemies of God. Uh, we don't like to admit it, but we do our own things. We do our own. We do it our own way. We live our own way. We do our own will. We fight and argue and resist his words, even his own son. Look at Ephesians. We, we were over there a little while ago. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. Where in time past you walked according, this is what you did, you walked according to the course of this world. What's that describing? A course is a path that the whole world is going, you just follow along with them. According, who are you following though? The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You're following the devil, you didn't even know it. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Isn't it funny how the mind keeps thinking of more wickeder things to do? And were by nature the children of wrath. You weren't the children of God. You were the children of wrath, even as others. We're in trouble with God. We're enemies of God. Yet God went out of his way to reconcile us. How did he do that? Number one, by dying in the place of enemies, too. Um... I don't understand anybody who would, um, I guess we wouldn't understand it unless maybe we were in the fire brigade or in, in the, the Garda or in, in, in a place where you see somebody in danger and instead of you running away because the danger could engulf you, I mean, these rescue, these people who do mountain rescue, water rescue, they risk their own lives, don't they? That's a special kind of mentality that risks your life for somebody else who probably doesn't deserve it. And yet that was the nature of God. He does it by actually taking the wrath of God. People say, why did Jesus have to die? Because the wages of sin is death. That's the cost of sin and he paid it. And not only, he went out of his way to reconcile us by justifying his enemies. This is crazy. When it says saved, it means no longer guilty at all. No longer in trouble with God. You've been saved from the wrath of God. You're justified by his death, not by baptism or by joining the church. And then he does this, he reconciles every enemy to himself that wants it and bringing them to himself. Romans 5.11, read it here, watch it. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Jesus died and atoned for the sins of Adolf Hitler, for Pharaoh, for Pilate, for Herod, for Nebuchadnezzar, for Sennacherib, for King Ahaz, one of the most wicked kings in the Old Testament, King Ahab, Delilah, Jezebel, Herodias, Remember, Herodias is the one that wanted John the Baptist's head on a platter. Haman, he wanted to uh, uh, have uh, Mordecai hung and the Jews slaughtered. Uh, wicked King Manasseh, and the list goes on and on. Do you realize all the enemies of God he died for? Now, they're not automatically forgiven, but everything that they 
pay for now in eternity, he paid for so they didn't have to. And you know, people will go to hell and find out they didn't have to. That Jesus Christ already took their place and all they had to do was cry out to him and ask him to save them. And on the spot, they walk away free because he took the punishment. And he took the punishment not of good people. Are you getting it? Our parents were supposed to teach us to be good boys and good girls. Our parents were supposed to drill it into us to have respect, to be kind. But we're not. We're not perfect. And so in the end, when we measure up, we fall way short. And so the perfect son of God came in and he took all of the enemies of God, all of their sin and was punished and says, if you'll trust me, if you'll just ask, I'll give you free pardon. And you can go free, even the Adolf Hitlers. So what kind of people did Jesus sacrifice his life for? Luke 19, 10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. A lost person is someone who's wandered off and is in danger and cannot find their way home and needs a shepherd to risk their life to come find them and bring them home, amen? Sinful people. People full of sin. Luke chapter 5, Jesus saw a publican named Levi sitting in the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, follow me. He said it to a publican, which was a tax collector, which was one of the most hated men in Israel. And Jesus said, follow me. And he left all and followed him. And Levi made him a, I said, uh, yeah, Levi is Matthew is his other name. Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of other publicans and sinners that sat down with him. But the scribes and the Pharisees murmured against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinful people? And Jesus answering said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician. Can you imagine going into a doctor's surgery saying, what are all these sick people doing here? <laughs> that would be a stupid thing to say. They that are whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick. Jesus said, I am come not to call the righteous and the good and the perfect. I'm called, come to call sinners to repentance. Aren't you glad he saves sinful people? Amen. He actually saves people who are not interested in being saved. Isn't that amazing? Now, he can't save somebody who doesn't want to be saved. But the kind of person he saves is a person that wasn't looking for him. I wasn't looking for him when that woman handed me a gospel track and told me I need to get saved or I was going to hell. Jesus died and saves people who aren't looking for him. Hallelujah. If he only saves people who are looking for him and in church, a lot of people are kind of going to be on the short end of a deal. No, no. Every time you hand out a gospel track, you are the love of God being extended to them, reminding them they can be forgiven. Don't, don't neglect anybody because the people who are not interested in God, God's interested in them. Does that make sense? Uh, the proud, the arrogant, the unconvinced. Well, I don't believe in God. Jesus died for you anyway. <laughs> you may not believe in God, but God still died for you as a man at the hands of, of politicians and, and religious zealots. And you need to be born again. Don't ever let anybody say, well, I don't believe in God. Jesus died for you. That's your only comeback. Amen. Even unbelievers. Well, I don't believe in God. Jesus died for you. Somebody says, I'm an atheist. You qualify. <laughs> 
Amen. Oh, you don't know what I've been, where I've been, what I've done. My wife left me. My kids won't talk to me. You qualify. Amen. Isn't the gospel good news? Now you know why. There is a, a great opportunity that we have in this day and age to get the gospel to somebody because they think, oh, there is no God. They qualify because Jesus died for them. And if they hear that, they might just say, why? Because they're sinners. And Jesus loves sinners. He doesn't love sin, but he loves sinners. There's, there's no one Jesus did not take the wrath of God for. You show me something, well, Jesus didn't die for that person, or Jesus didn't die for that person. Well, that's the wrong gospel, folks. God doesn't pick and choose because he's just an arbitrary ogre up in heaven saying there, I just don't like, I don't like Bill. I like Geraldine. And I don't like, like Leo. And I like Lily, but I don't like Hannah. That's not God. Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for those who weren't even looking for him. I love it. I told you this last week. Jesus told a parable about a man who made a big supper and nobody wanted to come. So he says, go out into the highways and hedges. I told you the greatest illustration is go find somebody who doesn't want to be found. If somebody's living in a hedge, they don't want to be found. Find them, invite them in, tell them they're wanted. Amen. There's nobody Jesus didn't take the wrath of God for. And anyone, verse 11, back there in Romans 5, can receive the atonement. I got to finish with this. Not only so, but we also joy in God. We thrill in God. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, not through our own righteousness, our own goodness, by whom we have now received the atonement. This is cool. Atonement is a very important word in the Old Testament. 81 times it's, it's referred to in the Old Testament, mainly in Leviticus and about the sacrifices. But in the New Testament, there's only one place atonement shows up right here. One time. It means bringing together two enemies. Here, these th there are three parts of this word, at one ment, which means it takes two people who are against each other, they're enemies, they are irreconcilable, and the atonement <laughs> brings them together. And they're not just friends, they're family. They are, they are at one now, at peace. You know, hurtful words can make two people unable to be in the same room. Hurtful act, actions can separate the best of friends. Atonement is the payment made to bring two enemies back together again. Usually we expect the other person to say, you're sorry. Usually we make the other person, now prove it. Usually we, make the, we expect the other person to do something to earn my love, my affection, my attention back. And most people have no way to make things right anymore. It's just gone from bad to worse. It's gone on so long that there's no hope. And then God says, why don't I die instead of you? And when Jesus died, Jesus didn't just wave a magic wand and say, all is forgiven. Jesus took your wrath, your upsetness at that person who hurt you, took the punishment for how you wanted them to be punished. You wish that person who hurt you would hurt back. And Jesus said, I'll take that. And when, because of Jesus Christ, God can put the worst enemies back together if he can put us and him back together. Isn't that awesome? Amen. When we have offended someone, 
we know they need to make things right. But instead of demanding it of them, why don't we realize Christ already did? No one can make atonement between God and us except the Son of God. Jesus made it possible for us to not make atonement, but to receive it. Did you notice that verse? By whom we have now, we just received the atonement. He made the atonement. Jesus paid the payment for our sinful actions, our sinful words, our sinful thoughts. He alone is the only one who could bring together sinner and sovereign God together. I'm going to get over here. Come back here. God says only the blood of an innocent mediator. In the Old Testament, it was a lamb. In the New Testament, it was a lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus made the atonement. He's the bridge between me and God. As a matter of fact, the picture of the wayward son, the son who goes away and lives his life and ruins his life and wastes his life, as soon as he decides, I wish I could go home. I wonder if I could go home as a servant, as a slave, as a nobody. And as soon as he gets going towards home and his dad sees him, guess what happens? The dad, not like us, I mean, what would we expect? Oh, here comes that good-for-nothing son. That's not what the father said. Oh, there's that guy that owes me all that money he took from, from the family. No. You know what the father did? It says he ran to his son, doesn't it? And he fell on him. And they hugged, and he wouldn't let him go. It was the best hug that young man had ever had. That father welcomed him home. And the point is this, because of Jesus Christ, the moment I turn, this is repentance is. Repentance is, is me saying, I'm sick and tired of being me. I'm sick and tired of my sin being what I do and what I am, and I cannot change. So I look to Jesus Christ. I ask you, God, forgive me because of him. And the moment I do, God runs to me and embraces me and forgives me and welcomes me home. I'm in the family of God. I'm accepted in the beloved, the Bible says, because Jesus made the atonement. I don't have to make my way to God. God made his way to me. I'm just receiving the atonement. Isn't that cool? Here's our finish. So why isn't, anybody, why isn't everybody saved, man? <laughs> if it's that good, why isn't everybody saved? Well, not everyone has peace with God or has been reconciled with God because they have not believed. It, God made it so simple. Go to, you can read, read Romans. Go to Romans, sorry, John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We're going to read 16, 17, 18, and 19. I want you to see this. Ro, uh, John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have as a gift everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, <laughs> we're already condemned, but that the world through him might be saved. Here's the, here's the key. How do I get saved? Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned anymore. But he that believeth not oh, is condemned already simply because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, a cancer patient, a, somebody who's got the flu for the last three weeks, they go to the doctor and the doctor says, uh, uh, the doctor says, here, this is something that'll kick that thing in the rear and get you over the hill and get you back healthy. And you go, no thanks. You want to live with that flu for another two weeks? Or you want this medicine? 
And the point being, you want to stay in your sin or do you want to receive the atonement? It says, if you believe, it says, the only reason why people will go to hell is because they have not received the gift. They have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, this is the condemnation. This is what they're in trouble with, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. So people go to hell not because they're such wicked sinners. It's because they won't take the cure. They won't receive. Why is it more people don't get saved? Because they don't think they need to. And you've got to. You must be born again. You'll miss heaven. You'll miss all the benefits of being saved if you don't trust Christ. It's not automatic. I, I grew up in a good home. I was baptized as a baby. You must be born again. You're either saved or lost. Doesn't matter if you're religious or atheist. You're either alone without God or you have the presence of the Holy Spirit inside you that will never leave. Will anyone, maybe you, will you accept the free gift? If I had it here in my hand, I said, come take it. Maybe somebody would. But you don't have to come to me. You don't have to do anything except as we bow our heads, just ask. Because he answers prayer. And he answers you if you cry out for him to save you. Stand with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we stand to pray, no one looking around. Don't go anywhere. Just realize this is the moment where a decision is going to be made. You're going to walk out of here and say, no, not today. And today might be the last day. Heavenly Father, I just pray for what we've heard today as we think about who you died for. We know the crucifixion. We know what Jesus did, but we forget who he did it for. And the world is really twisted thinking it's, it's all about being good, and it's not. It's about being honest. It's about being real, being weak and flawed, except in the fact we're ungodly. Even in our best days, we're not like you. We have our own agendas. We have our own will. We may act good on the outside, but on the inside, we are violating every rule and every law you ever made by nature. And yet, we qualify. 43 years ago this month, I found out I qualified. And it was free. And the gift is available if I would just ask. What a, what a great thing. Not what I do, but what I just ask for. So, Lord, again, every service I offer it to these people, I pray that you would work on somebody's heart that they would ask you and they would believe with all their heart that Christ died for them and was buried and rose again to save them. And they could be saved today if they'd ask. And it would just be, it would be the greatest day of their life. And I pray Christians in this room would realize, you know, a lot of people aren't saved maybe because they just haven't heard. Maybe they've been confused by their religion and if they just got a gospel track. If they just got one question answered, they might, might be on the track to hearing the whole gospel and learning how to be saved. Somebody needs in this room to get busy, start making a difference at work, school, wherever, because this is great. This is the best thing, being saved. So bless us as we sing now in Jesus' name. Amen.